Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. We control, well, there isn't a horizontal or vertical in your smartphone. It's just the LCD and the speakers. Welcome to the All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast. I'm Ewan Spence, here to give you a weekly look back and look forward at the world of Windows Phone. I'm reliably informed that they would like to no longer be called guests. Therefore, I will now give each of them a choice of what they wish to be called. Rafe co-host. Our co-host is quite happy for me. I'm Hello everybody. Yes, I'm Rafe Blanford. And Rafe is our first co-host. Steve, co-host, chair, anything else? Well, uh, the guest is okay as long as you put the word star after it. Okay, guest star, um, obviously <laughs> in the mould of Jonathan Harris from Lost in Space. We have Steve Litchfield. Welcome, Steve. Thank you very much. Uh, David, do you have a title in mind? I'll be a panellist. You'll be a panellist, so there we go. Um, I can't think of anything witty about a panellist, so I shall call you Jimmy Carr. Uh, David Gilson <laughs> joins us as well. Uh, you join us too. Thank you for listening at www.allaboutwindowsphone.com. You can leave your comments on the podcast, our news stories, our flow items, links uh, throughout the week to the interesting stuff that we find we talk about on Windows Phone. This is Insight number four, and we are recording on Tuesday, the 22nd of November. And that sounds so grand. I wish I had Orson Welles still alive to do that bit for the voiceover. Uh, we're going to go into the news. Uh, first of all, uh, lots of little bits to wrap up. Uh, the HTC Titan has hit the American networks on AT&T. Reviews are coming in thick and fast from around the web. It's getting a lot of good reaction. Steve, I, I know that you're kind of chomping at the bit as well for our hardware to pop in. Yes, it should be arriving any moment. I'm watching out for the DHL van. I shall let people know if it arrives during the podcast. Otherwise, there will be a review up probably within a week or so on allaboutwindowsphone.com. Reviews around the web have been mixed, I would say. Half the people absolutely love it. Uh, the best thing since light spread. The other half say it's way too big. I suspect the truth is somewhere in between. It's certainly, it's, for me, it's a, a natural upgrade to the HD7. Whether it's a tiny bit too big for me personally is another matter, but I'm sure I'll have lots to say, positive and negative, about the, about the device. And of course, we also have the slightly smaller HTC radar coming in. David, I understand you're uh, in the sprint box ready to pick up that one, yes? Uh, yes, I am. I'm, I, I'm watching for my watchtower for the uh, DHL van to arrive. Because um, Steve's got the HD7 and he's been looking at its successive Titan. I have the Mertz out here, so I'll be looking at its successive radar and um, good comparisons to come. There we go. Uh, Rafe, I want to bring up another phone with you. We don't, we're, we're just trying to get in touch with ZT because it's only at the moment being released in France, and that's the ZTE Tanya. This is essentially, you know, where the Titan has went for as big a spec as possible, the biggest screen, the best camera. The Tanya goes the other way. It's, it's literally cut down, four gig of storage, basic camera. But this is, this is probably a bigger signpost towards Windows Phone than the Titan. It is, in a sense, because... It's been said for a while now that Windows Phone, in order to you know, find a great degree of success, is going to have to move out of just the high-end space. And uh, the Tanya is kind of an example of this. I mean, it's still a relatively high-end product, um, but it's clearly one that's looking to cut costs. I mean, in that mould, something like the Radar and the Nokia 710 are looking to do the same thing. But ZT is well known for its kind of budget range of smartphones. Um, SSR in France is kind of the same as Orange in the UK. Uh, well known for their kind of San Francisco Android handsets, for example, which often bring uh, pretty impressive specs for a, a pretty good good price. And so the Tanya is kind of the, in that same mould, but obviously for Windows Phone. So it'll be interesting to see how this one does. We'll try and pick one up if we possibly can um, once it's out of the sort of geographic restrictions. 
but this is a, a good example of kind of the competitive forces in the mobile marketplace in general kind of the rise of some of the chinese based or the asian based um oems and manufacturers who are maybe going against the more traditional manufacturers in europe north america and obviously some of the ones out there the established ones like samsung and perhaps you could put htc in that bracket but you know why and zte have both expressed an interest in windows phone and i think where we'll see them uh, having the biggest impact is just as in this instance kind of an almost an operator branded windows phone handset uh, and that's where they've done well in the android space so i do think this one is kind of an interesting signpost of things to come uh, and of course htc started off as the branded you know doing white brands for windows mobile uh, right back in, in the early part of the 21st century and got themselves established that way so zte on the rise as well uh what else do we have uh, the samsung focus s and focus flash uh pretty much straight to america at the moment uh no word whether the uh, the focus s is actually going to leave uh, that territory there and of course if you're listening to america the amazing black friday uh, when everybody goes out into special means you can pick up these handsets for one cent that's eight tenths of a british penny but of course you're still going to be paying 70 dollars a month on that on your contract uh but it's nice to see we've got the second wave of handsets coming in solidly behind that picking up the mango samsung are there htc are there said to you bringing up the points and of course uh we have the nokia lumia as well working through the territories i see armenia and lithuania are going to be coming up uh, in the early part of december uh but also the question's always been when is it going to hit america and rafe you don't sponsor the entire South Hall at CES and brand it the Nokia Hall for nothing. No, I mean, Stephen Elop has broadly hinted in a variety of interviews that we've seen come over in the last couple of weeks, ever since Nokia World, in fact, that they was working with the American carriers and that it would be launching in 2012. And I think the best guess is that the announcement will get made at CES, and that's why Nokia sort of looking to make a push there. Uh, the kind of the interesting thing is really going to be in the details. I mean, what form of the handset's going to take, which uh, operators are going to partner with it. It's looking increasingly like it may well be AT&T and Verizon and possibly um, T-Mobile as well. We haven't heard much about Sprint yet, but obviously with Verizon that implies uh, possibly CDMA, possibly LT handsets. So I think what we're going to see is probably a variation on the Nokia 800 but with the right uh, 3G bands or possibly 4G in the case of LTE for the US market. Uh, it may be we'll see a new design come in as well. It'll be interesting to see whether there's any changes to the kind of the base specifications. There's a chance that you could maybe introduce a front-facing camera given that there have been an extra couple of months of development time. Uh, but it's quite clear from what's been said by Stephen Elop and obviously this CES uh, promo is going to be part of it that Nokia are looking to make a very big splash when they get into the US and he's on the record as saying, you know, it's going to be similar levels of marketing to that which we're seeing in the European launch countries. So that's going to kind of be pretty much unprecedented for Nokia in the smartphone space in the last few years in the States where it has, you know, with the Symbian devices dwindled down to next to nothing. I think it was three or four handsets, things like the, uh, the Neuron, the N75, um, and a couple of other devices like the E71X were available via carriers in the US. But other than that, it was buying SIM-free, which meant it basically the Symbian devices went nowhere. They were just a couple of percent at the market at the most. 
And so really the big thing about CES, it's kind of a return for Nokia to the US smartphone market. Um, as I say, we'll have to wait for the exact details, but there's more spoilers coming out every day. And I think it would be really interesting to see what kind of response they get, because I also think it's going to see you know, Windows Phone given a renewed level of attention that perhaps it hasn't quite seen before in the States. I mean, we're seeing a lot of information around the sort of second-gen device launches, and Microsoft is obviously putting in some campaign marketing dollars, and they've had various events, you know, their insider series and things like that around the States. But it sort of pales into insignificant next to what Nokia has done, particularly in the UK market. That's the one we know best. We've seen the TV advertising. There's all kinds of events and sponsorships going on. So... I, I do wonder just how big a splash this, this could be. And, you know, with positive reviews from a lot of the US media saying we really want the 800 available in the US, uh, it'll be interesting to see how Nokia deliver on that in early 2012. I just want to uh, actually ask you a point on behalf of the listeners and the readers of the site here, Rafe, on, on spoilers. He said there's a lot going around the internet. Now, for those people who are new to the All About Families, they haven't seen any of them on our website, have they? Uh, yes, that's right, Ewan. I mean, on the All About sites, we've long had a policy of not talking about uh, leaks or rumours, if you will. And there's two reasons for that, really. It's, it's very difficult to ever confirm them and would rather report the news when it's fact-based and we can be 100% sure of the accuracy. So when you read something on any of the All About sites, you can really take that to the bank. And there are some legal issues around as well, but it's mainly around the accuracy and the professionalism of the reporting. Um, as you can imagine, for anything like that, it's very dubious sometimes where the sources come from. And I'm sure people have seen the inaccurate reporting and the sort of basically wrong rumours around every single trade event. The one thing you can always be sure about is that there are new devices, new features, new things on the way. And uh, we take the view that it's better to actually report them when they're sort of officially announced. Um, it's fun to speculate about the future, and we do do that sometimes. And obviously, there are grey areas. I mean, for example, with this, uh, Stephen Elop has been giving a whole series of interviews saying that Nokia is going to launch in the US in 2012, so there's no surprise there. But just as I've uh, done, I haven't sort of given any concrete details. I've speculated about some of the operators and what that might mean. And there's some broad hints dropped in the interview, but nothing absolutely definite. And there's certainly no one saying it definitely will launch at CES, but you can infer a certain amount. And so that's the most you'll ever see us do. But if there's a, a direct leak of something, it's not something we choose to cover. Uh, we do appreciate some people like to know about that stuff, but there are many other sites out there but we prefer to take kind of the authoritative approach and uh, if you will be the sort of the paper of record as we termed it in the, the symbian world and we're aiming to do the same thing in the windows phone world with all about windows phone.com uh, obviously there there are lots of other sites out there we, we'd link to these stuff through flow um and in terms of the spoiler stuff again we may well not link to it so if it doesn't show up on us it doesn't mean we haven't seen it it means that we're just going uh, we'll wait until we actually hear it in black and white on the press release uh, that all that is up for discussion in our comment system by the way Rafe, uh, i steve and david we're all engaging in there we're all talking quite happily and chatting with you guys all about windowsphone.com so do feel free to drop by if you've got a question that or say yay or nay or suggest to us where the the the, the thin red line is uh, then please let us know uh steve speaking of thin red lines 600 <laughs> miles an hour straight down on a hercules c130 is it possible on my smartphone yet 
Uh, not quite. Um, you, can oh. do it, you can do it in an F-18, though. Um, this, is, this is a reference to a... We don't cover updates for every single application out there, but this particular one was quite notable. I did a story on, on the site on allaboutwindowsphone.com. Infinite Flight, which I, I, I noted as my favourite flight simulator, and you quite rightly said... It's the only flight simulator. <laughs> it's all, but it's also my favourite. And basically, it's a, a flagship game for the platform. Um, Basically, this adds the F-18 Hornet and the Boeing 787 Dream 900 Dreamliner. Basically, they, they, the developer is ask, asking for requests at each point, so people could say, well, I want this plane in or that plane, and they're basically being added and modeled. They're adding extra runways, improving the physics right, left, and center. It's a stunningly good flight simulator, and yes, it's the only one on Windows Phone. So if you've got anything of the Aviator and you do go and... Um, download this and make sure you grab the update um there's very still very early days though considering how far flight simulators could go in terms of modeling the entire world and every single plane uh, with every single feature there's obviously a staggering distance to go but so far it's, it's it's already incredibly fun to play it really shows off what the platform can do even on the single core processors so yeah an unreserved thumbs up from me and a thumbs up from me as well. Even in this next update, I, I have noticed that the landing a three-point landing with a tail-dragging aircraft, such as the, the Spitfire, is actually now much more accurate. And, and the braking on the ground as, as you're slowing down the runway is, is far more accurate. Really enjoying that one as well. Uh, also, with Ministry of Sound, uh, this is an interesting one. It's still available in the store uh, for 149 for most people, but there's now a, a, an identical version released by Nokia that's available for free. This is Nokia's way of getting more applications and more brand names on their handsets out there. Uh, and I, I find this really interesting because, as I, as I said when we reported it, very few people really are into the Ministry of Sound. It's one nightclub in London with a dance label attached to it, but it's such a huge brand name. I mean... Even Rafe, you've heard of Ministry of Sound, haven't you? Uh, I'd like to pretend I have, but I'm sort of vaguely aware of the name, but uh, I now know that it's a dance club, which is one thing I didn't know about 30 seconds ago. But the point is you knew the name and you, you would recognise the logo when you saw it like on a, in a PR shot or just when it's sitting on a handset in a store in the UK market. I, I did, and I'm sure you're going to say it's really all about the perception that it's you know using relevant local brands as well. Uh, given that I'm a fan of Nicholas Parsons and we don't do repetition, we'll move on to our next subject, ding, uh, which is our feature discussion point uh, on applications. Great, you noted this last week in the podcast, which is that the marketplace has passed 40,000 applications, uh, got written up for the site, lots of nice pretty stats and graphs and stuff and everything. This story went round the web, uh, and, and I really found it interesting because Every site, the, the, first of all, almost to a man, every single site linked back to all about Windows Phone as the source. So thank you very much. That's nice to see that the Windows Phone marketplace is less cutthroat than others uh, and still has that sense of community. Uh, but it's also that, that some of them are saying this is an astounding pace uh, of growth in applications. And, and there was another site that said, oh, Windows Phone limps over the 40,000 applications mark, all from the same numbers. Uh, and it's like... It's, this has got me thinking, and this is what I want to ask uh, your opinion as our little bit of our discussion point in the middle here. 40,000 applications on Windows Phone. Is it enough? Steve, I'll come to you on that one. It's a very simple question. Run with that one for me. Give me the argument. Is it enough, yes or no? Am I only allowed one-word answers? <laughs> no, no, no. A minute or two. One-word answers. That's, that's not just a minute. No hesitation, repetition, deviation or repetition. Go. 
I would say it is enough as long as there's a couple of extra uh, top brand name applications do come on board. We're still waiting for a few. We can probably pull out a list on the site at some point. But basically, most of the big names are already on Windows Phone. I've argued long and hard on various other sites, including all about Symbian.com, that most people actually need about 10 or so really good applications on the phone. They do not need 40,000. They don't certainly don't need 500,000, which is the current numbers in the iPhone app store or very similar to that in the Android marketplace. Um, 40,000 is a lot of applications. If you were to try one app every 10 minutes, you'd be there for about two years. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the, the, essentially, most people need... Uh, the, the basic social applications, a lot of which is built into Windows Phone, they might need a couple of utilities, things to do with their work, you know, vertical market applications. They'll probably need a selection of games that they enjoy, and that's very subjective, and they probably want to choose from a pool of, I don't know, 100, 200 games that pull a few nice titles out they enjoy playing. Add all that up, you only get to a, a pool of about three or 400, and here we've got 40,000, and some people are saying, this is not enough, and it's too slow. I, I, I absolutely give up. There's no way anyone can really even look through 40,000, let alone try them all, let alone appreciate them all. So, yes, it's more than enough it's good to see that developers are still pushing the boundaries though it, we still like to see a few other more of the big names come in and that will be good news but uh, don't get too hung up on them at the the borderline the you know the mainline 40,000 number it's not everything so david i'm sitting saying here in our sort of chat room that we have running in the background you, you're jumping at the bit to jump in here on this one aren't you oh yes um i think the thing with the 40,000 is that yes steve's right in that you'll never get through all 40,000 on your own so but what the thing is, it really depends on which apps, which forty thousand does it have. Um, if you have, if you have modest requirements, you'll probably be happy and be able to find everything you need. If you have very niche requirements, well, then it's more hit and miss. I, you may or may not find what you want. Um, for example. Um, people use Google Reader or Read It Later will be very happy because there's multiple apps for those services. But if you happen to use Skype, PayPal or Audio Boo, well, then you're going to be very frustrated. Um, and just on a side note, I think there is also a, a quality issue as well because I think a lot of the apps out there have yet to adopt the Mango features too. Steve, do you want to come back on that point? Yes, just very quickly. I mean, people make this argument all the time that, uh, okay, you need the, you need the really wide choice. You don't, you don't just need the same, you know, 10 applications or 20 apps or 30 apps. You need that long tail. But in actual fact, I mean, I've done this exercise on other platforms. I did it on the Symbian platform. I was frustrated by, you know, whatever it is, the 20,000 applications in the Nokia store over there for the Symbian phones. And I actually thought, so much of this, 95% of this is absolute rubbish. And I actually produced a crowdsourced, curated list of applications not games pure applications i got to about a hundred i think and it's, I've, i can provide the link if people need it and those hundred basically will provide all the applications that 99.99 percent of the population need 100 and again add, add 200 games to that and you have got more or less the full set yes there are a couple of names david just mentioned once they're added we really don't need to go into the 100,000 200,000 mark but i've i've ranted enough Rafe, do you want to uh, take the other side of the coin then? We do need that 400,000, 500,000. The platform does, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, I actually agree with a lot of what David and um, Steve have said there. But yes, I think there is a need for more applications and there always will be. Uh, there are a couple of points that are worth addressing here. Um, 
some of the feedback I've seen has said, you know, there's X hundred thousand applications in Android and iOS, it's sort of 300 and 500,000 respectively. It's just worth remembering we did a, a piece when Windows Marketplace passed uh, 35,000 apps and did a comparison for them in the first year. And actually, uh, Windows Phone sits roughly in between the two. Um, depending on how you measure things, iOS got to about 50,000 in the first 12 months. Uh, Android got to about 20,000. Uh, Nokia Store, if you look at simian applications, it did maybe 15,000. That's harder to measure. So actually, relatively speaking, Windows Phone is doing well. But of course, there's always going to be that comparison um, in pure metric terms against other app stores. So for, purely from a perception point of view, I think that's going to be an important comparison that gets made. I would add with that that I think it's a little bit meaningless. It is about the quality of applications. And just to offer you uh, an interesting stat with regard to that, um, in terms of applications that are rated over four, in other words, ones that you might consider the sort of better rating and actually have more than sort of a handful of ratings, there's about 1,600 applications in the Windows Marketplace that fulfil that criteria. So that kind of harks back to what um, Steve was saying. However, it's also a long-tail issue. Um, yes, it's true that most people only use a handful of applications, but everyone uses different applications. And for one person, the essential app might be something that's not there yet. So I think there's always a case for uh, more is better because you're going to be able to meet more and more people's kind of minimum requirements. And to a certain extent as well, apps, and I think particularly games, have become almost consumable content in the sense that you might play them for a, a couple of months and then uninstall them or stop playing them and so there's always a need for fresh turnover that's particularly true of apps but i mean i would actually say there's almost two category of apps as well uh, in the sense that you've got the kind of if you like your productivity or your experience enhancing applications that you know they're quite often the ones that address a particular service, be it Skype or Read It Later or whatever, that you kind of use once a week or every day. And then there's the more disposable applications that might be something, uh, you know, doing something fun, you know, playing with photos or maybe around a particular event. And so I think what you draw from that is there's always a need for a fresh injection of applications. Uh, I think in terms of, you know, these numbers, I would actually say probably the comfortable barrier is, you know, is probably 100,000. That will be a kind of almost a psychological point where you go, yep, there's plenty of applications. But I don't think any of the platform providers, and this is something that applies to all app stores, can ever afford to stand still because it's always a metric by which they'll be judged. And you know, people are always going to be looking for fresh content. Uh, I think we'll move away from these kind of absolute metrics of numbers and we're going to do that ourselves we're going to keep on reporting these things because i know there's a lot of interest but we're trying to dig up some interesting things i mean i just did that there for highly rated applications but you can also look at apps that have a, a proper experience and uh, i was talking to Nokia and microsoft about this a couple of weeks ago and they were saying yes the numbers are important but also we want an emphasis on you know the type of applications and they were saying you know an application that deep links um, via something like live tiles and they gave example everyone knows about the british airways app with a boarding pass is actually a more valuable application than something that's just a simple feed reader and that's that's absolutely right and there isn't a very easy way to, to measure that kind of metric about you know what's the experience being provided because ultimately that's what what matters to consumers and so while I think this 40,000 milestone is important, and of course there'll be ones after this as well, 
it's dangerous just to be obsessed by this this one metric but i, I do feel at this point it's quite clear that um the windows so marketplace is seen as being behind ios and android and therefore the next sixty thousand applications are very important and that will continue ever afterwards really i mean that's the nature of the beast yeah, and I think metrics is something that can always be gamed. But I think so, um, if I was in charge of uh, assessing an app store, I think that the way I'd like to perhaps go about it, because uh, I, I think however many app, raw titles you can say your application store has, it's always going to be an in, really an inflated number because there's always lots of clones of applications. I mean, how many different calculators or Minesweeper games do we really need? Um, but what would be interesting would be to get some plot, some sort of like skewed bell curve, similar to what Steve curated, and count the number of maybe top one or two premier episodes applications for each service or each class in its own right and and say well we have this is our like top starring gallery of premier applications these are the big titles that we've got that we think are valuable the debate of course can continue online all about windows but of course if you want 10 really good applications the easiest way to do that is program a million and choose the best 10 uh, but let, let's close off um sum up the app store experience and how it's doing for windows phone as it stands just now in a sentence from each of you uh rafe we'll go with you first uh promising but needs to deliver further applications david I'm going to copy Rafe. I, I think what's there is good so far, but we do need more bread. Typical application on App Store. Copy a successful one and try and get the credit for it. Uh, and Steve, for one final wrap-up on App Stores. I'm quite happy with it as it is, and I, I'm still finding stuff. I think, oh, that's nice. So, yes, thumbs up. Ooh, that's nice. How very, very British. There we go. Uh, so let, let's actually, let's finish off with that one. It's time for our application of the week. Uh, we've been moving, obviously, applications into our live tiles and start menus in and out again, all we do, to try and find the best of the Windows Phone world. And now it's time for what have you been enjoying this week? David, last week I asked you to do the theme tune. Have you improved it for this week? I haven't at all. You haven't at all. So <laughs> we don't actually have if you're out there and you're a budding author and would like to be a 10-second jingle on a podcast, please get in touch with us at rafe at allaboutwindowsphone.com. In the meantime, David, what's your application of the week? Well, at the risk of alienating lots of Windows fans, I am going to stick with my original um, suggestion, which was the Google Search application, because I don't think we need to get religious about all the tech things. And a lot of people um, may be very happy using Google services, but wanting to use a Windows phone. So they want to have some of their home comforts around. And even though Bing is hard-coded into the uh, WP7 search button, there is an application that you can add to your phone that does a Google search, and it will record your search history and note your location and give you um, local search results in, in the Google search results. So if you prefer the results to go of Google to Bing, you can add this and just search for Google search in the marketplace, and you can run it off your... Um, app list or put it as a live tile um, and it, it works very nicely as a, as a Google search launcher so there you go and if you're um, a, a budding science fiction author search for Google search that's a perfect name for a book thank you very much for that one David uh, Steve we'll move to you next in this one application of the week my application of the week is more than an app it's actually a kind of suite um, and it's a name that may be familiar if you've been in, uh, involved with other platforms in the past it's handy safe now back from the year dot and uh, certainly rafe and myself we, we, we get all our private data on our phones in a thing called handy safe which later became handy safe pro 
And it was a bit of a silo, really. It was wonderful being able to keep all our secret data in sync between our phones and, and even our, and our PCs and all just all at entry-level synchronization. Really, really impressive. All our secrets all in one place. But then we thought, well, okay, we're now moving to a, a, a cross-platform world. We want to experiment with Android, with iOS, with, um, with Windows Phone, even BlackBerry. And how do we take that data with us? And it became a real pain. And the various workarounds have been suggested and various import mechanisms, none of which really work well, until I spotted... The, the, the folks at uh, Epochware, also known as penreader.com, they've, they've made a version of their desktop, just a handy safe desktop, which now synchronizes to all of these platforms all in one go. So you basically, you can keep your Symbian smartphone, your Android smartphone, your Windows phone smartphone, your iPhone, and your Samsung Barda phone, all with exactly the same secret data, all kept in perfect entry-level synchronization. So handy-safe.com, go and have a look at that, and it'll give you the links to the various applications and the various stores, and also to the desktop, which is the important bit you need. But it works really, really well, and it's just so good to have exactly the information I want, whatever platform I choose to be using, and especially on Windows Phone. Or you could use a file of facts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you could, but then it gets wet and lost. Uh, I want to go for uh, the updates of 4th and Mayor this week. Um, those of you who be listening and reading for a while will realize that Foursquare's native application, when it hit V2.0 in Mango, was, in my mind, one of the best uses of the Metro UI and shows what a third-party application could do with Windows Phone if it really tried. Up until that point, the uh, third-party client Fourth and Mayor had been people's weapon of geolocation, social networking, here I am, earned some badges. Uh, and it, kind of, it, kind of, it got leapfrogged. It's leapfrogged back again. Fourth and Mirror is now up to its third version. Live tile support, multiple live tile support. It's a much faster interface. It supports the fast app switching. Uh, there is a lot going on here. We're going to have a full review uh, later on in the week on the on the website of this one. But if you're using Foursquare at all, Fourth and Mirror is also a free download, just as the official plan is, so you can give them a head-to-head yourself. Uh, for me personally, apart from the fact that the official client has the leaderboard as the live tile, I would be switching to Fourth and Mirror. Uh, 100%. As it is, it's taking about 97% of my Foursquare duties at the moment. Rafe, let's close up with your good self application of the week. Yes, uh, staying with the social theme that you've established there, this is Mido, which is a, a Twitter client. There's actually been lots of back and forth on which is the best Twitter client on Windows Phone, and I don't think it's been satisfactory answers yet. There's definitely room for improvement. Uh, although the official Twitter application got some updates this week, it's uh, I still think relatively limited. And obviously there's the built-in functionality in the Mango as well. But again, that's uh, limited in the sense that kicking off a dedicated Twitter experience is not really what it's aimed at doing. It's sort of bringing in the social information. And so there's various apps out there, something like Rory or uh, Birdsong. They're both uh, good. But a new one that caught my eye, or rather it's updated, which is why it caught my eye, is Mido, and that's spelled M-E-H-D-O-H. And it's sort of uh, pretty full uh, functionality in terms of what you might expect from a Twitter client. It's been nicely implemented in terms of the UI. It's sort of got a Metro-ish feel about it. There are some, I'd say it's slightly more compact with more information on the screen than the typical Metro application. But, you know, it does feel follow the style guide uh, for the most part. This is uh, for a single user account, so if you use multiple accounts on Twitter, you probably will 
want to avoid this application. But if you're just looking for you know, your own personal Twitter account, actually, I can thoroughly recommend this one. It's fast and the performance is really noticeable with sort of fast app switching and all that kind of thing, which does make a big difference, especially for an application like Twitter, where you do, do tend to switch in and out of it fairly rapidly. And, you know, things like retweeting, the ability to write things quickly, look at trending topics, look at um, who's following who, look at your own followers and all that kind of thing. It's all built into this application and it's pretty slickly done. So um, it's available in the marketplace if you want this one go and go and have a look at it i can certainly recommend it for me for a sort of single case of uh, twitter usage but uh, so there is still room for improvement um, but one thing that caught my eye about this was the developer is pretty good about providing updates and responding to feedback and so i suspect this is an application that will continue to improve over the next couple of months so there you go. Of course, if you have your own application choices, let us know if you want us to have a look at a review, if you're a developer uh, and want a little bit of showcasing of your application. Our emails are first name at allaboutwindowsphone.com. Uh, that is your All About Windows Phone podcast for the week. It's been a momentous week. Not only uh, have we got new devices on board, we've got reviews coming in. It's also the week in which Germany has announced that they will be airing the first version of Rocky, the musical, next November. A lot can happen in 12 months. Hopefully that plan will change. But what I do know is that 12 months Windows Phone is going to carry on rising and we'll be charting the progress by the year, by the month, by the week and by the day. Thank you very much to my co-host. Thanks, everybody. My co-host, David Gilson. Thanks for listening, everyone. My, oh, Robinson Warning, Danger, Danger, special guest star, Steve Witchfield. You remember. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> How could I ever? ever forget that sort of thing ah and thank you all out there for listening i'm you and spence this has been your all about windows insight phone podcast uh catch us on the web catch you here next week and uh if you're listening just while you're out walking keep your eyes open don't bump into a lamppost